You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Luke chapter 2 today. Uh, we've been in the book of Acts for some time, but we're going to take just a pause uh, for the next couple of weeks and we're going to talk about the wonder of Christmas. And don't let that just uh, uh, sit on you easy because we're going to get into some very strong doctrinal things that all of us need to understand about Christmas that makes Christmas Christmas. Uh, I don't want to quote from, uh, from a simple movie, but uh, if you've watched uh, Christmas movies over the last few years, uh, one of the popular movies is a movie called Elf. And uh, in the story of Elf, uh, Santa's having a difficult time getting his sleigh to fly because the sleigh used to fly on Christmas spirit. And he bemoans how there's just no more Christmas spirit in the world anymore. And uh, the sad reality of that is uh, there has been really a war on Christmas. And uh, the joy of Christmas has been taken out of society. And part of that is simply not just because people don't say Merry Christmas, because people don't realize the true wonder what Christmas means. And I've heard Christians say it, and I've seen Christians wear little pins around, you know, put Christ back in Christmas. And I want to say this today. I think we need to get Christ back in the Christian. And if we get Christ back in the Christian, the Christian will get Christ back into Christmas, and you'll enjoy the wonder of Christmas. Look in your Bible at Luke chapter 2 in the Christmas story, and I want you to see today in this passage of Scripture uh, what happened in verse number 16. This is when the shepherds had come. And they came to the place where Jesus was, and it says in verse 16, and they came with haste. Well, I wish that's how everyone would come to Jesus. <laughs> come with haste. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. I wish everybody would do that. I wish everybody would come quickly to Jesus Behold him, and then go tell everybody all about him. And they, they came to Jesus with haste. They went everywhere telling everyone about him. And the Bible says in verse 18, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I mean, the first Christmas was filled with wonder. Here is Jesus laying in the hay, He's been announced from heaven that this is the Savior of the world. Today I bring you glad tidings of great joy which shall be for all people, all people, that today in the city of David is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, I want to tell you today that if you're going to enjoy Christmas and not just to have all of the sensations and pleasures of what Christmas can mean, but I mean really, truly enjoy the depth and richness of Christmas. You need to understand the wonder of it. What were they wondering? What was the wonder that filled them in these days when they heard about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, they were wondering of how God became man. Now, last week, we heard a wonderful message from Pastor Brent on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you'll listen to that. I want you to go back and listen to it again. 
Because a great apology was laid out, a defense, for the virgin birth of Christ. And I want to make it very clear today. No virgin birth, no salvation. No virgin birth, no Savior. Now, I want you to know that there are many religions today who don't accept that. They don't accept the fact that Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. Many today would make the claim that Jesus is a great teacher. But he was not just a teacher. He is God. Many will make the claim and accept the claim that he was a great prophet. I mean, um, uh, Islam teaches that Jesus was a great prophet of Allah, but they would not claim him to be the son of God, that he is God in the flesh. (laughs) I've heard people say, well, I was sitting with a man one day on the airplane, and he said to me that he believed that Jesus was a great prophet, that he was a great teacher, but there was no way that he could be God. And uh, I said to him that Jesus was the son of God and he was born of a virgin. He said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, Jesus was born without a father, but Adam was born without mother or father. Wouldn't he be more of the son of God than Jesus would be? And I want to tell you something right now. Jesus was not the son of God because he was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin because he is the son of God. But you cannot have both claims. You cannot claim that Jesus was a great teacher or a great prophet and not claim that he was the son of God. Why? Because this great teacher and great prophet claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be God. And listen, if he is not God, then he is a liar and therefore not a great prophet. If he is not God, then he is a lunatic who has got a deity complex and he's therefore not a great teacher. A great teacher can't teach something false and be a great teacher. So Jesus, you have only one of three choices with Jesus. He's either a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he is Lord. And you either come before him today and spit upon him, or you either reject him totally, or you have to kneel before him as Lord Almighty. And I want you to know today, he is Lord Almighty, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, and we heard about that. And I think our answer to that should be this, because the mystery of that birth, we cannot explain it. But can I tell you something? Uh, If you only acted upon things that you understood, you'd never turn your lights on in your house. You don't know how all that works. You don't know how electricity works, but you flip the switch anyway. Ladies, if you had to explain how the washer worked, you'd never turn it on. How the wash machine knows how to Put water in and take water out and spin here and all that. You don't know how it does that. You just push it and hope it does it. And you're just glad you don't have to go down to the river with a washboard. (laughs) I mean, think about it. I mean, if there was some men in this room, if you had to explain how your automobile worked, you'd never drive. If you had to give a full full understanding of of auto mechanics, you don't know. All you know is you put that thingy and the other thingy and turn it and you go on the road. Now, can I tell you today that we may not understand the mystery of the virgin birth, I think what we would do, we would ask the same question Mary asked in Luke chapter one, verse 30, when Mary asked, how shall this be? But then we have to give the answer that the angel gave. With God, all things are possible. (laughs) And thank God that Jesus was born of a virgin. But I want you to understand today, don't miss this. Write this reference down in your Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Here's the wonder of it all. Don't miss this today. This is the wonder of Christmas. I want you to see it. 1 Timothy chapter 3, 
Verse number 16, the Bible says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Okay, what's the mystery of godliness? God was manifest in the flesh. God was made known in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit and he was seen of angels. Have you ever thought about that, that he was seen of angels? What does that mean, he was seen of angels? Well, God is a spirit. God is a spirit. But when he took on a body, he was seen of angels. Angels, for the first time, laid eyes on God. The Bible says the angels are flying in heaven with their wings over their face. And with wings, they cover their feet. And with two wings, they fly, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But listen, when he was made flesh, he was seen of angels. He is God in the flesh. Now, that's why the Bible says that his name would be Jesus. The name Jesus is the Old Testament name Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. His name was to be called Emmanuel, which by interpretation is God with us. John saw it clearly in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Have you ever thought about this? That He made the hay that He slept on. He made the manger that He was laid in. He made the angels that, that announced Him. He made the animals that surrounded Him. He made the mother that gave birth to Him. If you were to ask Jesus, how old are you? He'd say, well, I'm as old as my father and older than my mother. I mean, he is God. And then John said in John 1 and verse 14, and the word was made flesh. Here's the wonder of Christmas, that God became man. Oh, no, listen, Christian, don't go to sleep on that. Don't let that pass over you. Let yourself, by the Holy Spirit of God, ponder on that like Mary did, keeping these things in your heart and pondering on the fact that God would become flesh and he would dwell in human flesh. Who is Jesus? He's God in human form. Now, the Mormons don't accept that. The Jehovah Witnesses don't accept that. The Muslim does not accept that. The Jews do not accept that. But friend, the Bible clearly declares that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Think about what the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. This is God speaking to the Son. He said this, listen to this, but unto the Son he saith. Now this is God speaking to the Son. Here's what he said. He said, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Now, what did he say to the son? He said, thy, thy throne, oh God. He called the son God. <laughs> this little baby lying on the hay was the God of Genesis 1-1. The very God who spoke into the existence of the universe is the very God who lay in Mary's arms. Now, why is this true? Now, I'm going to give you today, very quickly, why this is the wonder of Christmas. It had to be this way for you and I to be saved. It had to be. Why is that? Because God had given Adam and Eve dominion over everything that God had made. 
he goes to great lengths to explain that man was his highest creation and gave, give, he gave to man dominion over all of his creation. And what happened when man sinned? Man surrendered that dominion and went from being the servant of God to being the slave of Satan and the slave of sin. And they forfeited the dominion. That's why the Bible teaches very clearly that now Satan is the prince of this world. He is the God, little g, of this world. Our dominion was lost by a man. Sin came by man. The only way it can be restored and sin can be conquered then is by a man. In the very beginning when God came into the garden and met Adam and Eve as sinners, God condemned their sin and God gave them a promise that one day the seed of a woman would bring forth and crush the head of the serpent and then God in fashion gave them a living picture when he took an innocent animal and he slew that animal and clothed them with the skin of it. God was teaching them in tithe. There is coming one who will be like this animal of substitute to shed blood for your sin. And until he comes, there will be no remission of sin. That's why The human race is only seen in two men. It's only seen in Adam or in Christ. Jesus came born of a virgin. He came in the flesh so that he could finish what had been done in the Garden of Eden. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 4, write these references down. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Listen very clearly what the Bible says. But when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth his son made of a woman. You see, that phrase, the seed of the woman, has plagued the rabbis for centuries. How can a woman have seed? This verse in the New Testament says that he was made of a woman. How can that be? He was made of a woman. Now listen to this. Made under the law. For what purpose? To redeem them that were under the law that he, that they might receive the adoption of sons. God made man. He gave man dominion. Man lost that dominion. Dominion was surrendered by man. Man was plunged into sin. Now a slave and a servant of sin. And if man was going to be redeemed, it was going to require man to do it. Without the virgin birth, without the incarnation, there is no salvation. The Bible declares clearly in Romans 10 and Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Sin must be paid for and it must be paid for in blood. Very clearly the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It's very important. Why blood? Why blood? Because blood is what passed on to sin. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin so that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Listen, you got a sin nature through the bloodline going all the way back to our father Adam. So no man then can pay for this sin unless it is a man who is perfect and sinless and innocent. Adam and Eve had to watch life drain from an innocent creature who did not sin, and that innocent creature gave its life for their redemption. Adam 
watched that animal die for him. Uh, Abraham watched another ram die in place of his son. Isaac saw life fade from that ram, knowing that that ram died in my place. That's the substitutionary death. But listen, the blood of bulls and rams and goats cannot atone for sin. They cannot. They can only point men by faith to one day the coming sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, every time they sacrificed, they were looking forward to the coming of that perfect one who could shed his blood, perfect blood, sinless blood, spotless blood for the sins of the world. If Christ was born of Adam, he would be a sinner and he would be disqualified to be the Savior. Here comes one of the most beautiful verses and most well-known verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The answer is a man a sinless man, a perfect man, a God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's ask the question then. Whose blood was in that baby in Mary's womb? Whose blood was in that baby? Well, it wasn't Mary's because the mother doesn't give the baby the blood. A baby can, a baby, I don't know what Deanna's blood type is. My daughter Deanna, I don't know what her blood type is. I don't know what little Andrew's blood type is. But they could have two totally different blood types. And if there was ever going to be a, a court hearing where there was going to be a child, they had to determine the, the parental, uh, who, the, who the father was, a father can go to court and be blood tested to determine if he is the father. Why? Because his blood is the blood that is in that child. So whose blood was in Jesus? Well, of course, it was God's blood. But you say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God is a spirit. By the way, this is why I'm so adamantly against abortion. I'm so adamantly against abortion because abortion is the taking of an innocent life. And somebody may say, well, yeah, but it's my body, my choice. Yeah, but that's not your body. That's a totally separate body with a whole totally different blood. It's not your body, that's another baby. A young couple may decide, well, we're just not gonna have this baby. Well, that's not your choice to make. You're gonna have that baby. Your decision is, are you gonna have a live one or a dead one? But there is gonna be a baby. And whose baby, whose blood was in this little baby? Whose blood was there? Oh, God is a spirit. Spirit has no blood, right? (laughs) The spirit cannot die God cannot die so where did this blood come from write this down Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 the Bible says Paul was talking to the elders of the Ephesian church and he said take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers here was a warning to the pastor pastor God has given you this flock to oversee God has given you this flock to take the bishopric of that and to lead that flock and to feed that flock and to protect that flock. You have a great responsibility, pastor, to feed that flock. And whose flock is it? He says, take heed that you feed the flock of God, which is the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. <laughs> Acts twenty twenty eight says definitively that God gave his blood for the church. Whose blood was in the body of Christ? God's blood. 
It was God's blood, the sinless blood, innocent blood, righteous blood, holy blood. No wonder Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Which one of us as a human being has ever run up to a car accident and seen somebody bleeding horrifically and said, oh, look at all this precious blood. Humans don't think of blood as precious, but God wrote down precious blood. Why was it precious? Because that was God's blood. That was pure blood, innocent blood, holy blood. Think about this. You take away the virgin birth and you take away the incarnation of Christ, then let me tell you what you have. You have no salvation, no virgin birth, no hope of heaven. The whole point of Christmas is that God became the son of man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. Simple law of genetics says this, that every individual is the sum total of the characteristics recessive or dominant in its two, in its two progenitors. Say, so what does that mean? It means this. Everything that was in your mom and dad, good and bad, you've got it. Now, their good characteristics might be repressive in you. And their bad characteristics might be dominant in you. That's why it's easy to blame all your bad behavior on your parents. I mean, I used to look at my wife when our kids were acting up, and I'd say, what did you do? We're reaping what we sowed. <laughs> But you are the sum total of all that is in your parents. All that was in your father is in you. All that was in your mother is in you. It's just a simple law of genetics. No way around that. Now suppose Jesus had two parents that were both deity. God plus God. Then everything that was in Jesus would be all God. He would be unapproachable. You could not come to him. He would be so far removed and separate from mankind that there would be no way that man could come before him because he would be all of God. Now suppose both of his parents were human. Then he would have all human characteristics and everything that is in the human character, uh, the human character would all be in Christ. And he would be nothing more than a son of Adam under the condemnation of death and therefore he could not be the savior. But suppose, and and not suppose, but let's go into this great truth today that his father was God and his mother was human and then Jesus became all that was God and all that was man in one being. Not half God and half man, but all God and all man in one body. That's the wonder of Christmas. That Jesus is God and man. He is all that God is. So that he can give all of God to all of man. And he can present all of man to God. Think about that for a minute. This is what the Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 3. And I'm finished. Listen to this verse. Romans 8 and verse 3. Don't miss this. God sending his own son In the likeness of sinful flesh, not sinful flesh, but in the likeness of sinful flesh. He had no sin in him because he didn't have the nature of an earthly father. He had the nature of his heavenly father. He had all the genetic characteristics of his mother, but he had the nature of his father. Are you hearing me? That God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, now listen to this, and for sin. Why did he come? He came in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. 
for sin. That was the announcement of Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. For sin. Listen to this. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Wow. What a salvation. What a, what a wonder that God would become man, that he would come and he would take in that body all the sin of mankind in that body as the federal representation of man, that he would take all of that sin and pay for it in one body on the tree, that he may give to man the righteousness of God. Jesus came to become all that you are so that you could become all that he is. Did you hear that today? He came to become all that you are so that you can become all that he is. That's why the Bible says that we are saved to be conformed to the image of his son. Jesus was made in our likeness so we can be transformed into his likeness. Now, if that doesn't give you the Christmas spirit, nothing will. I read a terrible story years ago. It's a awful story. There were some men that were betting on this little bull terrier. They, put a, they were at a zoo. They put a little bull terrier in a pen of rats, and they wanted to see how many rats this bull terrier could kill in a certain amount of time. And they were gambling on that. And that bull terrier, they put 25 rats in that place, and that bull terrier went after those rats. And I mean, he viciously tore them out. But he did not kill as many as his owner had bet that he would in the time. The owner lost a bunch of money. He took that little dog, and he beat that dog mercilessly. He beat it, and he kicked it. And in a fit of rage, he picked up that dog, and he threw it into the cage with the lion. I was told it's a true story, I don't know. But that bruised and battered bull terrier hit the ground in that lion's den and that big old lion got up. And that man thought that lion would finish that dog off, but that lion saw what had been done to that dog. Saw the condition of it and that lion came over. Laid down next to that bull terrier and began to lick it. And the men that were there said that he put his Pause on that bull terrier in a protective mode and looked at the man who had thrown him in and roared, not at the dog, but at the man. Roared at him. The zookeeper came by and the man said, he said, who, who, who did this? And the man said, I did. I was in a fit of temper and I threw the dog and I want my dog back. I want my dog back. The zookeeper threw him the key and said, then go get him. There was a day when we were bruised and broken and beaten. Slaves of sin and Satan and we had been mangled and mauled. But the lion of the tribe of Judah came and covered us and he roared from that cross. It is finished. And he gave his life for mine. He entered into my sin became sin for me 
that I might enter into his righteousness and be presented to God blameless and holy. What a wonder of Christmas. Aren't you glad that the word became flesh? If you don't know him today, dear friend, if you don't know him, there's no way in all the world, not all the gifts of Christmas could ever give you the Christmas spirit. You can hang all the lights and make all the cookies and get all the gifts and do all the things and you'll never get the Christmas spirit until you have Jesus living in your heart. And then you'll be filled with wonder. Our Father, I pray today that we would be overwhelmed by the wonder of Christmas. Lord, that we would know the Prince of Glory who died. Made in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin that we may be, might be made in the righteousness of God through him. Lord, I pray today if there's someone here who's never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that today would be that day. And I pray for all of your people that today they would be washed over with the wonder that we would ponder it and meditate on it and dwell upon the fact of how far you came to save us. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you a simple question this morning. Friend, do you know Jesus Christ as a personal savior? I don't mean do you just know about him, but I mean have you tasted his grace and his salvation and have you been made new by that savior? Has his life come to make you new? If you don't know him today, you can know him. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, who would say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that Christ is my Savior, but I'd like to know. Would you slip your hand way up high? Say, I don't know for sure that my sins are forgiven. I don't know for sure that my soul is bound for heaven. I don't know that Jesus lives in me, but I want to know that for sure. Would you slip your hand way up high this morning? Just hold your hand way up high and let me pray with you. How many of us would say, Pastor Miller, I know Christ as a personal Savior. Without one shadow of a doubt, I know him. Would you slip your hand way up high? Way up high. What a joy. What a joy that is. Listen, dear friend, would you today just worship Jesus? We're going to take just a moment to come before him. If you don't know Christ today, would you slip out of your seat? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you should have. But would you slip out of your seat and just move to the back? We have some men and ladies who are ready to share the gospel with you and show you how you can have that personal relationship with Christ and you can understand his claims and you can know him as a savior. They'll show you and help you. And if you're saved today, would you just worship the feet of Jesus today? Let's stand quietly all over this room. I'm gonna ask Melissa to play. I'm gonna open the altar today if you'd like to come and pray or pray there at your seat. If you need someone to help you with salvation, just slip from your seat. Go right to the back and let them pray with you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. Take some time right now and just worship Jesus.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the message we heard today. Lord, we thank you for the hope and the birth of Jesus Christ and the fact that we now have a Savior who has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but yet without sin. Lord, we thank you that we can have the confidence in Jesus Christ, Lord, in your holy name of being a, a Savior who came from heaven but who lived in flesh on this earth and became our sacrifice for sin. As we celebrate Christmas this season, I pray that you would help this, uh, this reality, this truth to, be, to resonate in our hearts anew, that we have a Savior that can be trusted. And we thank you, Lord, for the message we heard today. I pray that you would help us to uh, ponder this, dwell on this, meditate on this truth this week, and uh, look forward to hearing another message about you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.